1: Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer with End
2: Time Insights. Welcome back. We're talking about the Word of God, my favorite topic in the entire planet. Uh, This is number nine, number nine. So, uh, you know, there's different aspects to the Word of God. And as we go through talking about the Word of God, sometimes I'll hit on a topic and I'll make that the thought of the day. Like today, for instance, uh, another aspect of the Word of God Uh, One that's missing in the church, one that the church desperately needs, is that the Word of God brings you discernment. And I've always said this, that judgment is the birthplace of discernment. And because the church violates the Word of God or misunderstands the Word of God by not judging things and people, not for the sake of condemnation, but for the sake of correction, but because the world judges to condemn, the church judges to correct, But because we're such a carnally minded church, we just throw away judgment. We do away with it because the people will accuse us of condemning them. And that's not what's going on. We need to take back that ideal, the ideal of judgment. I want God to judge me. Uh, Number one, I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. So any judgment that I get from God will be for the purpose of correction. But anyway, because we've neglected to judge things and people, we have no discernment in the church and you know, the Word of God says that you ought to try the spirits, you know, when people come into your church, whether it's your pastor or guest speaker or anybody, you're supposed to try their spirits. Yes, you, everyone, if your leader isn't wise and he isn't discerning enough to do this, then you have to do it. We've got pastors bringing in people that have no business being in our pulpits and they don't Understand the danger they bring to us. And so we have to judge this for ourselves. Nobody's going to look out for my soul more than I am. And I don't trust anybody with my soul. I'm sorry. It's my soul. And I will decide where I spend eternity, not because I've been, I won't be uh, removed from my place in eternity uh, with the Lamb and the church and God's people because I allowed someone else to dictate to me what I would believe because I allowed someone else to teach me error because they didn't love me, because they didn't love me enough to tell me the truth because they were intimidated by man, which is why each and every one of us as saints, not just your pastor, your leader, your teacher, but you need to try the spirits. You need to discern. Not being able to recognize evil in our lives, evil in our church pulpits, unfortunately has become a problem of pandemic proportion. And that's not a failure of the Word of God. No, no, no. That's a failure of us to live by the Word of God. We need to. Paul referenced that in Hebrews 5.14. But, go to the Word, strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. But strong meat it belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use, what are they using? What reason of use, what, what are you supposed to be using? You're supposed to be using the strong meat of the word of God. When you do that, when you obey that, when you live by it, when you incorporate it as the guiding light of your life, then your senses become exercised and you're able to discern between good and evil, right and wrong, God and not God. Notice strong meat belongeth. Solid food is for the mature. We can't remain babies all our lives, church. In prior verses, Paul was actually rebuking the saints for not growing, or whoever the writer of Hebrews was. Most say it's Paul. Some don't know. I'll go with the flow. It could be Paul. There are parts of it that sound like it's Paul's writing, and there are parts of it that sound like it's not Paul's writing, but the thought behind it seems to flow in the teaching mindset of Paul. In prior verses, Paul was actually rebuking the saints at the Jewish Saints for not growing, for staying in their spiritual baby bottles instead of sitting down at the table with the adults and getting to work. Paul was correct. I know that because we have the same problem that they did. We have the same problem today. Most Christians are still in their cribs. How do I know that? Because I can see and I can hear the preachers that most Christians support. They're following these guys. The guy with the largest audience in America, right, isn't even a pastor. He's a motivational speaker who will use the word of God to back up his ideas and his thoughts. Well, okay, fine. I'm not going to condemn anybody for doing that. But you don't do that from the pulpit, guys. The pulpit's holy ground. It's thus saith the Lord, not giving you my ideas, not promoting my book. You're opening up the word of God, the Bible. They are anointed to preach the Word of God. The guy with the largest audience, he's a good guy, and most of his messages are friendly and uplifting, but that's motivationally speaking. That doesn't belong in God's pulpit. You don't use the Word of God to support your doctrine. You read the Word of God to get your doctrine. You preach the Word to get your ideas and your thoughts, and you let the light from the Word of God do the illuminating. Some only use the words of Jesus himself to uh, decide proper doctrine. Yet the entire Bible is called the Word of God. Jesus himself chastised the Jews for their lack of discernment. He says, Luke twelve fifty six you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? He was chastising them for missing the time of their visitation. Basically, when the Bible speaks, Jesus is speaking. I was in a Discussion with somebody and they couldn't understand that. They says, well, somebody posted something on Facebook and I commented that this was just an, uh, no less than an opportunity to promote acceptance and promotion of homosexual lifestyles. And they says, well, you can't find where Jesus spoke on the issue of homosexuality. And I said, oh, yes, you can. The Bible is the word of God. When the Bible speaks, Jesus speaks. And you've got to understand that is the voice of God. The Bible says God speaks to us today uh, through Jesus. And Jesus is the theme throughout the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. I read something the other day. I didn't know. The Bible says that when the prophets were speaking, it was the spirit of Jesus in them that was speaking. I go, wow, that's so good. So when the Bible speaks, Jesus speaks. I love that very much. Here in Luke, Jesus is speaking to the lack of discernment exhibited by the Jewish leaders. And he's actually blasting them. Hypocrites, he calls them. Why? Because they couldn't discern the things in the Bible that were pointing to him being there. He was blasting their rabbis, their leaders, their teachers for not knowing the day of their visitation. Uh, Hebrews writer, whether Paul or somebody else, challenged the saints for their lack of discernment. Please understand, spiritual discernment can only be obtained from God's Word. The reading of it, the studying of it, and ultimately... The obeying of it. This is so good. The most important relationship we will ever have, we will ever cultivate, is the one that we enter into with the Word of God. Remember, the Word of God is alive. The Word will always satisfy every need you will ever have. It will love you and be faithful to you. It will keep you from evil. It will guide you. It will guard you. It will govern your lives. It will always speak to you, no matter how badly you mess up the Word of God. There's no relationship like it. You cannot live literally without the Word of God. We mature when we use the Word of God. When we practice the Word of God, when we begin to live our lives in harmony with God's Word, is when we begin to grow. When we begin to grow, we learn how to tell the difference between right from wrong, true from false, wrong from right, good from evil. The reason so many Christians follow false men, they don't have a relationship with the Word of God. There's no word. It's partly on us as individuals, but it's, it's mainly on our preachers for no longer teaching the Bible. There can be no substitute. If your leader isn't in, so in love with the Word of God that his passion for God's Word overflows every time he gets up in that pulpit, every time he opens his mouth, you just might be in the wrong place. And it's easy to tell. Matthew 12:34 Oh generation of vipers how can you being evil I love Jesus he's always direct and you know and he doesn't fool around and he calls them now you bunch of snakes how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks as a church we must return to the type of preaching in our pulpits where the word of God and the presence of God is the central focus our leaders fail to recognize the dangers that are here today, that war against God's people. It's a war against the word that is taking souls right out from under our noses. The warnings of the word of God, they're real. They're, they're multiple. They're everywhere. Every book in the Bible has warnings for us. And if we didn't have danger, then we wouldn't need the warnings. But there's danger. Understand? Let me explain something about salvation. People think of salvation as a one-time event. I disagree with that. Salvation is a process, right? When we get saved, when we get so-called born again, whether you as a Catholic or a Methodist or a charismatic, when you make your own conscious decision to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you repent of your sins, God sends the Holy Spirit to live inside you. That's called the new birth. And what that does to you is it justifies you. And what does justify mean? Just as if I never sinned. He justifies you, and you are no longer anathema to God. You are no longer in opposition to God. You become a child of God at that point. And he sends the down payment of that salvation, the Holy Spirit, inside you. Now, that's a done deal. That happens once, and that's what we refer to as being saved. Yet, your rest of the time spent here on earth will be what's called the process of sanctification. And that sanctification is you being made holy. You know, the word for saint in the Bible is Haggios, H-A-G-I-O-S. You know the word for holy in the Bible? Haggios. It's the same word. Saints are to be holy. Jesus says you are sanctified by the truth. When you live in the truth, you become holy. You are sanctified. You are cleansed. You are made just like Christ Jesus. That's a lifelong process. It's there in the sanctification process that you are tempted. The best way to become sanctified, the best way to become holy, to become like Christ, is the same way he did. How? Through suffering, through hardships, through tribulations, through testings, through trials. And if you're going to live godly, you're going to suffer persecution. Only through hardships and suffering will one enter into the kingdom of God. At any point along this road, if we choose to draw back from God— Then the salvation, which we maybe perhaps had once had, which never was completed, you know, your salvation will never be completed again. Your salvation will never be completed until Christ is revealed. That's when you go from justification through the process of sanctification unto glorious. Hallelujah. Glorification. That is the The walk, that are the three phases, the three tenses, the three, what's the word? The three, it's on the tip of my tongue. The three aspects of your salvation, justification, sanctification, glorification. They all must have their run. And not until the end do you truly apprehend that for which you have been apprehended for. Anyway, I said all that because I want to get back to the word of God that the teachings, the warnings in the Bible for us are to protect us from drawing back. If any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him, saith the Lord. If any man shrinks back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him, saith the Lord. Constant warnings that we will only receive the end of our salvation, the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls, if, if we continue, if we stay steadfast. Those are promises, but they're conditional. The warnings in the word are real because the dangers are real. As we dug into Second 2 Thessalonians two ten last week, we broke it down thought by thought, phrase by phrase. As we start searched out the word meaning in there, remember that was the scripture that talked about. It was Second 2 Thessalonians two ten <laughs> about the oh, the truth about uh, loving the truth. Thank you, Jesus. And remember, you don't love the truth. You might, but it's not what the verse is talking about. It's talking about God's truth loving you. And when you receive that, that's when you become saved. And we broke that down phrase by phrase, word by word. But when you get the word of God, when you get that insight, when you meditate on it, when you study it, pray over it and pray with the word, God shows up in your life. There can be no substitute for this type of word study. God-honoring dedication to him. That's what will bring you into right relationship with God, the word of God only. We will never be able to reach the lost if we don't study and know and preach the word of God, the gospel. We will never be able to grow the saints if we don't teach them the word of God. We will never come to know Jesus like we're supposed to if we don't invest time in the word of God. And we will never reach heaven if we neglect so great a salvation. Speaking of salvation, I just mentioned that there were three aspects, three tenses, or better yet, three stages. That's the word, three stages to our salvation. So First Peter, I'm teaching on this in Bible study this week, First Peter uh, chapter 1, I'm teaching on uh, 3 through 9, but here I want to go to uh, verse 4 and 5. This inheritance that we have, guys, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You don't have this inheritance yet. It's kept in heaven for you. Uh, it's actually guarded in heaven. It's protected in heaven for you. You don't get it yet. Well, don't we get it when the testator dies, Jesus Christ? No. The Bible says it's kept in heaven for you. But look at this. Who through faith are shielded by God's power. So the inheritance is kept in heaven for you and you are protected or you are kept or you are shielded by the power of God until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So, yes, your salvation, you have the down payment of it, the earnest of it, but it's about to be revealed in the last time when Christ comes back the second time. That's when this salvation is manifested. Remember all the earth groans in anticipating, awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. When does this take place? It takes place at the return of Christ. That's when you get your glorified body. That's when you get your inheritance. That's when you get seated. That's where you get to work with God in the millennial reign of Christ. It's an amazing inheritance. And it says right here, though, that that inheritance, it's in heaven. Who through faith are shielded by God's power? That's an interesting phrase because what does it imply? Well, if you want to be kept by power, what is the conduit for being kept by God's power? It's your faith. You must stay in faith. Hebrews 10, don't cast away your confidence. Don't cast away your bold faith. Don't throw it away because you need it. Only through faith will God continue to keep you. He can't. He says, "He." This is the ground rule. Stay in the faith. I'll guard you. I'll keep you. I'll protect you. That inheritance will be kept. I'll get it to you. But you must stay in faith. Hebrews ten thirty-five to thirty-nine. Cast not away your confidence, your faith, which has great recompense of reward for you have need of patience that after you've done the word of God, you might receive the promise for he that will come will come and shall not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him, saith the Lord. But we are not those that draw back unto perdition. We are those that believe to the saving of our souls, to the saving of our soul by faith. The number one purpose of your faith is the saving of your soul. So if at any time you lay down your faith, that's why he says, cast not away your confidence. Don't throw down your faith. If at any time you throw down your faith, guess what happens? You lose the protection of God. You must finish your race. You must endure. Hallelujah. You must be overcomers right until the very end. If you ever draw back, you are running the risk of losing what God has promised for you. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. The salvation spoken here is the same salvation many of us are experiencing today, but it does not reference that aspect of salvation when we got saved, when we got born again, that we're already experiencing. It's talking about the complete process of salvation. This refers to a future aspect of salvation, ready to be revealed only when Christ returns. But like I said, I want to remind you again, simply put, there are three aspects or stages to our salvation. We've already received the down payment of our salvation at the new birth, and that's called justification. It's at the new birth when God's Holy Spirit comes and lives inside us. What a glorious day. I remember when that happened to me. Thank you, Jesus. I was walking on air. I remember coming back into the store for the first time. My feet didn't even touch the ground. I was saved. I had my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I was never going to be the same. Drugs, alcohol, sexual perversion, all that stuff left instantly. Part two to that is what's going on now is your sanctification by God's spirit of truth. It's ongoing. It's daily. It's a process by which we are made more and more like Christ. But that doesn't complete the process of salvation. Yes, it's a three-step process. We are working out this salvation with God now, knowing or allowing him to work in us his good pleasure, right? And it says, what does it work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God who's working in you both to will to want to, and to desire, right, to do, to accomplish the things that he's promised to do, and it's for his good pleasure. The main thrust of the gift of faith in our lives is to ensure the salvation of our souls. Peter speaks about it here, the writer of Hebrews. Peter speaks about it here in First Peter uh, chapter 1, and the writer of Hebrews talks about it in uh, Hebrews 10 verses 35 and 39. I just quoted that one cast not away your confidence your boldness your courage your bravery your bold faith don't lay it down don't throw it away and it says there's a great recompense of reward associated with that faith but we can throw it away there's the danger you know people say once saved always saved actually that doctrine didn't come around till uh luther in the 1500s calvin and those guys jesus won't let us go right We are kept by the power of God if we keep our faith. Jesus won't let us go, but he doesn't remove our free will once we get saved. If he did, he'd be a tyrant and he would no longer call it free will. If once we got saved, we lost the ability to choose to walk away, then we are no longer free will agents. And that's why there's so many warnings in the Bible, warnings which include you guarding your faith. Verse 36, for you have need of patience. That's my weakness. (laughs) But after that you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. What promise? Any promise. Every promise. But here, he is referring to the promise of your salvation, the completed process of salvation. If you know that you have obeyed God, then you just wait on him. Yes, faith will see you through. Faith will keep you standing. Diane and I, we've done what we're supposed to do in the projects that we are using our faith in. We will worship while we're waiting and will not be complaining or murmuring, but we will keep our faith and see these projects through that God would be glorified in our lives. For yet a little while, verse 37, then he shall come, that will come, and he will not tarry. His word is forever true, saints. Jesus is returning. He said so, and that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, he's returning. We will wait for the salvation that's been promised, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then verse 38, now the just shall live by faith. If you have been justified, you will live by faith. That's a biblical truth. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, shrinks back, turns away in fear, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. There we go. So here it's revealed we can draw back. We can shrink back from faith in the face of the trials and the hardships. That will test us. That will mold us into the image of Christ. That's the work in sanctification. Strength molded in battle. And here it is. At the new birth, we are justified. Then we ought to live by faith. Salvation has provided for us justification. But look, we can draw back. People don't believe that. They think that once you get saved, you will no longer have a free will. That is false. That's nonsense. God will draw you and allow you to respond to come to Christ. But he will also allow you to leave. That's exactly what the apostasy in the church is today, folks. Christians leaving Christ, rejecting truth for whatever reason, fear, fear too much persecution, too many hardships, mankind's rejection, peer pressure. The reasons aren't important. Spiritual drift, right? Whatever. Only daily feeding on the Word will keep us from leaving. Remember, if the sufferings prove too much for us, we can leave. We can quit. We can turn away. God will let us. But also, remember, we read this earlier. No faith, no protection. First Peter Chapter uh, 1, verse 5. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded, protected by God's power. Who through faith. Only through faith are we shielded by God's power. Not from the hardships and the suffering, but we are shielded from them damaging us. So, read the word of God. Don't walk away from God Stay in the word of God Repent of any sin And keep your faith up Because in your patience You possess your soul Hallelujah